But you keep coming back to Australia. It must be a pretty good hunting ground for you, is it? Well, we had a good time last time. Had a good time this time. There are reports that you haven't actually made it in America yet. What do you say to those reports? Well, I was just going to swear, but I better not. Um, BS. <laughs> you have made it in America. Yes. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Second Ron. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Second Ron, the world source for antisocial commentary. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, E. Simon. I'm the other host, the son of Sam. I'm not. You're not. I'm not. I could be the Zodiac Killer, though. I could be. You could be the daughter of Sam. David Berkowitz definitely didn't have sex. Oh, I was about to say, what was Drunk Dad's name again? Frank. I just know him as D.D. Drunk Dad. (laughs) No, I know D.D. by something else. (laughs) So what's cracking there, Kate Rambo? You know, every week I prattle on and on about my life, but never hear about what's going on with you. What is going on with you? Well, I never have much to tell, Dee. I live a quiet life in my bunker, just keeping myself to myself. Occasionally I'll walk around the grounds, shooting my guns, uh, my peacocks crying in the background. Sometimes news crews will roll up to the bunker and I'll shoot at them till they uh, go away. So you don't allow anybody within the confines of the bunker? Only if it's like a regularly scheduled interview for like the BBC. It's almost like a survivalist compound. I'm going more for like um, a Hunter S. Thompson in Aspen type thing. Oh, okay. Kind of a retreat. So do you just fire off your muskets, screaming racial epithets at your your neighbors who aren't white? Well, all my neighbors are sheep. So oh. they are all kind of white, so it's okay. Oh, wow. You live a uh, very colorful and uh, animated life there, Kate Rambo. That's what I get up to, Up mate. in the That's... north of England. Is that is that pretty common up there? Well, okay, have you been to a pub recently? I have been to a pub, yeah. I'm dying to get pinged. I want to get pinged so badly. What do you mean? Is that like, about... like getting fingered? <laughs> no, it should be. <laughs> pinged. <laughs> Yeah, on the everyone I know has been pinged at least like twice or three times and been told to isolate. That totally and sounds I like never have. That totally sounds like you passed out and someone like puts their finger like in your. They anus. pinged me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's sadly. So wait, so what do you mean? You you have to like get tagged or something? Well, it's through the NHS app. A lot of people don't have it anymore because they're like vaxxed and they think it's a way. You know, what's funny is people say, oh, it's a way for the government to track you. It's like the government is already tracking you if you have a phone. You might as well just like give your little FBI agent a kiss on the cheek by using the uh, NHS. That would cause so much cognitive dissonance in the United States. I don't know what they would do. Their heads would, their minds would be blown if you told them that. I'm not using an app, God damn it. I want the app to ping me and to tell me to isolate because I've been working throughout this. I say this all the time. I've been working throughout this whole pandemic, this whole entire time. I've not been paid to go off work and self-isolate. Where's my lockdown, D? I didn't get a lockdown. I want a lockdown. I didn't get to be at home becoming an expert on the COVID on Facebook. I had to go to work and keep the country fucking running. I want... 10 days off to be to just like 
so, go on to a downward spiral, basically. It's fully paid, though, right? Fully paid. We get 10 days fully paid off. Wow. And so do you have to prove it? Do you have to send them your COVID test, or do you just have to say, I have COVID? Well, they kind of say, if you've got symptoms, stay at home, and then you've got to do, like, the lateral flow tests. But the lateral the flow tests... One? The rectal ones, they're only like 40% effective. So you could still be like, oh, yeah, I just like, I just don't want to come in and infect everyone. <laughs> could then, you like, fake in those it? Like, could no, you, you've like... got to get, well, I suppose oh. you could. You could get one of your buddies to screenshot you the, the ping. But I think it maybe says your name or whatever. Oh. I don't know, but I'm desperate for it. I want 10 days paid off work. It'll be like a little holiday. I will, I'll get drunk. I'll rewatch. In 10 days, I reckon I could watch, rewatch the entirety of The Sopranos. Are there any co-workers of you who are sh- like, that you work with that show symptoms? I've worked with lots of people who've gone off recently. The Delta variant well, is fucking Maybe what you should do is follow them around, and when they throw out their like, can of soda, just start licking the top well, of it. Well, I did. Um, oh, you did do guy. that. That's disgusting. <laughs> no, one guy <laughs> who I work with, uh, I worked with all the time. We worked really closely together. We even went on break at the same time together. And he sat at like a table opposite to me. Next day later, boom, off with the COVID. Did you, I haven't caught it. Did you share a licorice rope? I wish we fucking had. Like Lady in the Tramp style. <laughs> yeah, and then you would so get romantic it. catching the COVID. <laughs> but I never caught it, did I? And he doesn't have the NHS app because if he did, like half of my department would have probably had to go off and isolate. So we're all pissed at him for not having the app. So everyone get the app so people like me can isolate. Do go, it for us people. Go find some Indian people because isn't the Delta variant from Indian? Or it's an Indian uh virus like a variant right it's from india the delta variant i don't know are you being racist <laughs> yeah, I'm, no i'm being honest it's like a, it started in india somehow got you know transferred to the uk well, so we go, why don't you go hang out with a lot of indian people oh you mean hang out with my family i don't i yeah. don't want to see them when i'm healthy i don't want to see the indian <laughs> side of my family when i'm unhealthy either you know, uh, I'm going to have to, well, not really deal with my family, but somewhat, I guess, kind of an extended family. Um, heading to Michigan this weekend for uh, the Kessler's 50th wedding anniversary. 50 years together. It's, uh, it's quite a milestone, if you think about I, it. It's a massive milestone. That's like, well, it's long, you know, what is it, the old joke they always say, hey, you get more for murder, hey. <laughs> I don't know less that joke, murder. but that's uh... the joke. It's less murder. I did it wrong. I did it wrong. I guess if it was told properly, then I probably would have heard it. Hey. Um... <laughs> I just work here, man. I'm not, I'm not the boss. No, they're having this big uh, 50th wedding anniversary thing that my sister's helping to coordinate with uh, Sarah, one of her, her her best friends. Anyway, I hate Michigan. I haven't been back there in 10 years since. Uh, Kessler Detroit died. sucks. Yeah, that's that, you. That, not even the, the thing is, though, you don't know any, you've never been to Michigan, so you don't really know. And I think you have this like romantic notion of it because you love Niagara and Ron Ashton. And it's like, and no, the- I'm well aware of how fucking shitty. And that, there's a reason why all these rock bands started. Hence why I was in a rock band too, because there's fuck all to do. And there's a lot of drugs knocking about. That's why well, you do I'm it. I'm just saying. Shit, but I want to see it. I want to go to like drink in the Union Street bar. Like, Spend one go. winter there and you'll be like, fuck this shit. <laughs> fuck this. It sucks. Awesome. Anyway, but other than Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor is actually pretty cool. And there's, there are many, there are actually some bars I do love in Detroit. I'm hoping, like old Miami, I hope to go 
uh, head out there again. And there's there's neighborhoods in Detroit that are pretty awesome. So I, I'm not saying the whole place sucks. Majority of the state sucks. I mean, seriously, it's like filled with militia members, anti-vaxxers, actual members of the KKK. Like Howell, Michigan has a grand dragon pooba or whatever that lives there of a chapter. Yeah, but you know who... You do know who lives in Michigan, don't you? Who? Jonathan Steele. Okay, yeah. In Bay City, which I'm probably not going to... I might be able to go there. My my sister actually and Jer were just in Bay City because Jer's... Jer's parents died a couple of years ago, and they never actually get to do like a memorial or a funeral or anything because of COVID. And so they, they did that this summer, and so Stephanie was back. She didn't see Steele. I think she saw Dreyer. But what she did tell me that was kind of funny is um, Jer's family, I'm going to say they're rural. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say anything else that's more disparaging than that. Let's just say they're provincial they're, they're rural okay um, provincial very disney word to use though. yeah so anyway they were at his aunt and uncle's house and uh, they were hanging out and they were you know they were the store the subject of the vaccinations and covid came up and so jared and stephanie were like yeah of course we're vaccinated and they're like really and they're like yeah and these are i mean these aren't people that are in their 20s they're people in their like 50s and they're like aren't you nervous that you're being tracked that they can, you know, that they are, they're going to at any time activate the chip. And Jared's like, you know, it's not like Snake Plissken in Escape from New York, you know. It's not like it's going to blow up. And he's like, well, do you mind if we do a check? And they're like, and Stephanie's like, what are you, what are you talking about? I don't like, give a fuck about your war or your president. <laughs> well, Stephanie's like, what are you, what, what are you talking about? And he's, just, and he's just like, so he went into like the cupboard and he got this like big magnet like a big magnet like an industrial magnet joking. i'm not no. you can ask my sister and jer jer's like fine this is his uncle his uncle dave and he pulled up his sh- his uh, shirt and uncle dave put the magnet up and down his arm and nothing happened and he you couldn't believe it so my dad was in a really big car wreck before i was born and they they rebuilt him they rebuilt that man uh, um something crazy like half of his skull was a Ooh. metal plate but you couldn't stick anything on it. And when we were kids, oh, every magnet we ever got our hands on. It could be why he got cancer <laughs> and died early. Because any magnet we got hold of, we were like, Dad, come here. Got a <laughs> magnet to try. At that point, Never I stopped. probably would have got like an industrial strength magnet and see if he just stick to it, like turn it on or something. Get- well, because he was in like that kind of industry as well, there was a point where he did have a very, very strong magnet, and it just he, didn't, you know. He's like Jaws work. in James Bond. You know, just like... Yeah, his entire <laughs> mouth was held together by like gold kind of things that Jaws had. So when he used to open his mouth, you could see all this gold flashing. Well, it, it was funny. They were like literally thinking that the microchip was going to stick to the the metal chip, the implant was going to stick to Jerry's like, shoulder. I don't and know. It would rip out? No, they th- then they could confirm it. And so Jerry was just like, see, nothing. And he's like, the uncle was kind of like befuddled. Like he was just sort of like, I think we're gonna have to get a bigger magnet. We're going to need a bigger boat <laughs> my, here, my sister's like, we're out of here. I don't even want to be here anymore. But that's what I'm saying. That's like a lot of people like Michigan in Michigan are like that. They, they have that mentality. These like anti-vax mentality. I was reading the other day and we were talking about this on the news, but um, there's so many anti-vax or COVID quote unquote truthers who um, refuse to, you know, they, they call mass face diapers and they refuse to get vaccinated Yet they're willing to treat 
a potential COVID infection by drinking horse strength tubes of medication meant to deworm horses. Mm-hmm. I'm not even making Tasty. this up. This was reported in the Daily Beast. Um, anti-vaxxers are using ivermectin for equine, which is known as horse paste, an anti-parasitic medication that protects horses and livestock from worms and parasites. Harmful to humans. They're saying that there's a chance it might be able to treat COVID, and there's, there's studies going on. I know QAnon websites, anti-vax websites have been pushing this, this theory on Reddit. But Of horse. <laughs> Yeah, but could you could you imagine? Or actually, you know who it comes from? It comes from America's frontline doctors. You know Stella Manuel. She's the Trump approved. He's retweeted her, and he's you like, know who it, he's you know who it actually her. comes from? It comes from a horse on Twitter. He's like, I'm going to fucking get these honkies doing something. <laughs> it's just a horse with his hooves typing it out. <laughs> it's a horse. Um, yeah, but it comes from this Dr. Stella Manuel, who Trump has retweeted and Trump has also like, you know, in, in uh, approved her comments and her suggestions publicly. Uh, but she said women are impregnated by demon sperm in their sleep. Alien DNA is used in medicine. That's what she's, she's, those are some other theories that she's posited. This is a Trump improved, approved doctor. Anyway, she's the one that's pushing this thing about the, the horse dewormer, but it blows my mind. I don't know. Probably not. But what blows my mind is like, would you be willing to take a horse dewormer over a vaccination that's been tested that thousands, tens of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of people have, have uh, taken it and it's been proven effective against the, the vaccine, but the virus, but instead you're like, nah, I'm going to roll the dice here with this horse dewormer. Might die, but maybe it might treat the COVID that I don't have. I'd rather take the dewormer than ketamine. <laughs> well, we Put all know what happens there. when you take ketamine. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm just saying, I think I'm going to have to deal with this when I get to Michigan. Also, the worst thing about it is I'm flying fucking spirit. Why is, we don't have spirit over here. Is that like our Ryanair? Possibly. I think it's even shittier. Like, does it, it, it makes perfect sense that the hub, you know, the main hub for spirit is Detroit, Michigan, because not surprised about that. But if you've re- been reading the news about uh, spirit, the past, like, seven days they've canceled over 2,000 flights 60% of their flights people have been stranded all over the country is Spirit the airline where they put the dog in the ho- in the um the you know where you put your bags up on top and it suffocated and died is, that's the airline that killed the puppy isn't it I don't know about that but I wouldn't be surprised I remember I remember yeah I, I, I definitely dog. wouldn't be uh, surprised about that it's one of the worst airlines I've ever flown however the difference is as uh, spirit flies direct from LA to Detroit whereas most of them go to like Chicago and then you gotta transfer and it's, it flies just straight to Detroit it's also one of the cheaper airlines so it's like hopefully yeah. hopefully it's gonna fly you there yeah I think I'm gonna be stranded somewhere I think that's what's gonna happen anyway um there are some, I mean, as I mentioned, there are some uh, some incredible musicians who have came from Michigan. I mean, some of my favorite Niagara. musicians. Niagara. Ron. Ron Ashen, The Stooges, uh, MC5. There's so many. Alice Cooper, so many amazing bands. Ramrods. Um, yeah. Kayafwa. Susie Quattro. Susie. Pleasure Seekers, Cradle. Susie Quattro, believe it or not, I'm sure like a lot of the European fans are like, Susie Quattro. Um, Kate landed an interview, one of my favorite rock and roll icons. She's an icon. 
legend. She is. I and, wouldn't uh, have been in bands if it wasn't for Susie. That's definitely for sure. She's the original, like original female rocker. Yeah. For sure. I mean, first to pick up like a bass, you know, bass guitar, any kind of guitar, wear a leather outfit and rock like that. Front, front a band. That was years before The Runaways. She's you, cool. You know, years before uh, Blondie. A few years before Blondie. But anyway, she's influenced every female rocker. Joan Jett, Debbie Harry, Sherry Curry, Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's. Everybody pays homage to Susie Quattro. And amazingly, you managed to get an interview where she's, she's on Sick and Wrong. I think maybe she just didn't realize who she's in. Or she's well, just like, fuck it. I'm going to interview everyone. I said, is there you know? anything more Sick and Wrong than the fact that Susie Quattro is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That How many and bands and people has she influenced and she is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It's a travesty, I tells you. I mean, so she's a music pioneer, and the fact that she's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just shows you that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a bunch of bullshit. Totally. You but know? she deserves it. Oh, for sure she does. More, you know, um, you know, uh, last week in uh, San Francisco, I saw Joan Jett for free. She she played a free show, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. You know, it was, it was fun. It was fun. It was a free show, so it wasn't very long. And I think there's only like a couple... I think it's just her and the guy that plays keyboards as the original members. Yeah, I was about to say, there won't, won't be anyone but Joan Jett left in Joan Jett. It's, it wasn't the Black Arts, was I it? Just, I just never, yeah, it was Joan Jett and the Black Arts. I All never, right. I never knew that she had such a sweet-sounding feminine voice. I just never, <laughs> I'm, I'm being facetious. She had like just such a New York accent. She was just like, all right, this next song, you know, Crimson and Clover, I didn't write it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I was just like, wow. But yeah. Great impression of her. <laughs> that's, I swear to God, that's what she sounded like. Um, but Joan Jett definitely, um, you know, understands the influence that uh, Susie Quacho had on her style, her career, her sound. Well, there would be no Joan Jett without Susie. It's 100% easy to say that. Her For biggest sure. influence. Um, Susie was huge in Europe. Never had like the same level of success with music here in the U.S., um, but she had like many number one uh, topping singles: "Can the Can," "Devil Gate Drive," um, "Wild One." So many amazing songs um, came out of her. But in the U.S., she's probably best known for being um, the actress or the actors who portrayed Leather Tuscadero on Happy Days, <laughs> which you know to you know. For me, that that was like one of I couldn't have wanked back then because I was too young, but I would have. Um, she stirred feelings. In she you. stirred feelings in my loins that I couldn't quite understand at that time. But uh, yeah, she was like Fonz's. Wasn't she Fonz's girlfriend? And she yeah. showed up, and she was like, I think did I almost want to say she did one of those like motorcycle jumping things, like jumping over cars, like a evil Knievel type thing in the Happy Days. Well, she's cool enough to do that, Susie. Yeah. Is. Leather Tuscadero. She's, she's amazing. Still releasing records to this day. Still touring. Incredible talent. Music pioneer who belongs in the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Anyway, let's play this interview we did with uh, Susie Quattro. Hi, Susie. Um, thanks for being on the show. I got to say, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to have you on the show here. Um, both Kate and I are like... You're know, huge fans. Huge fans. Yeah. So how, how have you been? How are you doing? Well, how is anybody doing? Yeah. <laughs> during this past year. Yeah. $64,000 question. <laughs> Luckily, I'm a glass half full girl and uh, I've 
I've made it work for me. I've written and released, uh, recorded and released my, my finest album. I've written and released two new books, putting me up to five new books, five books now. So I have not stopped. I have not let the virus stop the creativity. See, that's Excellent. that's the spirit. Yeah, you keep yourself busy during this pandemic. Um, just, yeah. So uh, um, before we get started, I know uh, Kate has a question for you. And uh, yeah. then I'll get into my, I have a couple questions about Detroit because that's where I'm from. This is a, to- this is a total long shot and I doubt you will, but in the, uh, in the early 70s, late 60s, when you had first moved to London, my dad had also moved to London, was in a band and he played with all the bands as well. Like he was playing lots of gigs with Slade, which is how I know you got your start. Well, it wasn't how I got, it wasn't how I got my No, but you've yeah. like first... You did a. You went on tour with them, right? Yes, just before I started having kids. Yeah, Mickey stuck me on the on the tour. I certainly didn't get my start with them. I just was stuck on because Mickey wanted me to be working. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slade. Well, they were pretty yeah. big at the time, right? Slade. They were big, and I hadn't had hits yet, and. Um, I had been here since 71, and Mickey couldn't get a grip on me. He just couldn't get it. And I got a band together, you know. I said, well, actually, are we taping it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going. Okay. Um, I, I kept saying to Mickey, I, I need a band. I've been in band since I've been 14. This is so weird for me to be here and just writing and recording, and there's no interconnection and blah, blah, blah. So I formed a band, and then everything did actually gel together because I'm a band girl. And... Um, Mickey put us on the circuit. We did college gigs and all that. And then he thought, okay, let's bring it home. And he called his friend, Chaz Chandler, who was the old bass player of the Animals, who Mickey produced. Oh, and awesome. was managing Slade. And he said, yeah. do, me a favor. do me a favor. I got this girl here. She's going to be a huge star. We're trying to find her way. She's got a band. Stick around at the opening of the tour. So I had 20 minutes. Me, Tin Lizzy, then Slade. And <laughs> the band actually did come together on that tour because we're playing every night. Big crowds, and it did that. So good move by Mickey. And then after that, it was a quick, you know, jump and skip to Cam the Can, and there I was. <laughs> I make a glass of champagne. <laughs> so you got your start in Detroit because that's where you're from. Uh, but you're, that that was like what, like late '60s, um, early '70s. What was the scene like back then? Like, did you you must have been playing with like Alice Cooper, uh, Stooges, MC5. I can do your rundown. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. You know, That's uh, most, my favorite us, era of rock. Well, us Detroit people are real, especially from that year where we are so interwoven with each other. You know, I've had this conversation with everybody. Yeah. So I started when I was fourteen, so a little bit younger than the big wave of Detroit. Not not too young for Motown. That was whoa. I was you know on the Temptation dance routine, um, but. We watched all these bands play, and then by the time I was 16, we were on the same circuit, you know? So, uh, very good friends with Alice, that's been well documented. Um, MC5, Mitch Ryder, Bob Seeger. Oh, yeah, yeah, Seeger is so huge in the scene. Iggy Pop, I knew Iggy Pop, I played with Iggy Pop when he was still a drummer. Um, the Knack, you know, who was, who was, what were they called? Doug Figer, Sky. Um, everybody. I knew everybody. We all played together. The Fugitives. Uh, I mean, just it was it was a scene. Detroit was a scene. It was a happening scene. That's yes. all I can describe it. And when we all get together and we talk, we talk about the 
energy and the edge that Detroit had, and it did. It still got it now. Still got it now. And white stripes cite me as an influence, and I cannot understand this. I like them, but how can I? Yeah, exactly. The music doesn't marry, but for some reason, I influence them. I, I don't know why. Uh, you've, you've influenced everyone, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you watch Suzy Q, you really get the full picture of the documentary. Yeah, I guess I love that documentary. Yeah, we both watched it. It yeah. is a good one. Yeah. What, yeah. Was that weird? Was that weird seeing your life on film like that? Like, how'd that all go down? Like, did, were you approached? Like, because I'm amazed that they, you know, it's, you know, God, like, what? 40 years later that someone's like, hey, we should make a documentary about Susie Quattro. Well, it's always going to be done. It was always going to be done. Vicky Blue was going to do one, um, and she, she made one, and then that got aborted for various personal reasons. Um, and then this guy contacted me, and he wanted to make this documentary, and I kind of I liked the sound of him, so we were talking on the phone. And uh, I said, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, I wanted to feel him out, see who he was. And he said, well, I got to tell you right off, I'm not a fan. I went, okay. <laughs> you know, like, that's, you know, like that, that's an interesting way to break the ice. Yeah. So, no, but it intrigued me. It intrigued me. So I said, okay. He said, no, no, don't get me wrong. I love your music. I'm not a fan. And I went, okay. That's, absolute, that's absolutely fine. In fact, Fair it's, enough. No, in fact, it's wonderful. Really? When you, think, when you think about it, because there's no danger of him being up my backside. They'd be more objective, that's for sure. Yeah. Very much so. So we got talking, and I said, why? Okay, so I said, fair enough. It's not a problem not being a, a fan. I don't mind that. But then why do you want to do a documentary? And he said, because I saw you on a talk show. And you fascinated me, and I knew in my brain I found the right guy. <laughs> um, you know, and then we talked a little bit. I said, okay, here's my ground rules for the documentary. I said, I, I, if you want to make a film of a lot of people going, oh, she's wonderful, you're talking to the wrong girl, because this is not what I want. I said, the only reason I want a documentary made at all is to be... One million percent honest, even if it's uncomfortable. Sure, I'll have scissors, but I promise you, I won't lose. I won't use them as long as what is being said is the truth. That I don't mind. Well, I would and say it, that definitely came across. It could be uncomfortable as hell. I don't care as long as it's true. And I personally want to put the record straight. And this is how we approached it. And this is exactly what we got. And everybody was mad on this, mad on this documentary because, and I didn't know this, because of me insisting on it being the truth, warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it it got really into uh, they explored the relationship and like uh, the division with your sisters, which I never really explored that much. I mean, I know heard about like the pleasure seekers and I heard about Cradle, but I never really knew about the split and how that happened when you moved to uh, to England and how I guess both you know both parties felt and how your family felt. And there's one scene in the doc where they send a tape from uh, I think it was it was Christmas. And yes. you're, yeah, and you're listening to it. Yeah. That was intense. Oh. oh, hey. Oh, hey. I'll tell you what. That was pivotal in my life. I could have been destroyed. I very nearly was destroyed, but luckily I'm a survivor. And that actually spurred me to go forward. Um, 
I thought about whether or not to put that in, and I was talking to the director. I told her about it, and then I thought, how can I not put that in? Yeah. Yeah, when it's affected you and it's made you who you oh, are as well. It did affect me. And I thought, okay, it's a fair thing. I have it here in the house. Anybody can listen to it. It happened. And, um, yeah, it wasn't easy. It nearly destroyed me, but I went through that range of emotions where I, you know, I, I grabbed the tape and I, oh, my God, I got it at Christmas. Oh, my God, fantastic ranch in my room. Put it on, ready to hear my family at Thanksgiving. Oh, so some contact. And then I heard the insults. And I just went... What? Ah! Oh, sorry. Oh, you shut up outside. No, sorry then. I'm in the middle of an interview. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was wondering what that, what just happened there. I'm going to scare the shit out of you. Everything's okay in the world, you know. Ever, ever. I'll get outside. Okay. Everything all right over there, Susie? <laughs> My ex comes in and scares the shit out of me, you know. They, <laughs> everything is okay. That's just how we should be. <laughs> so, Hello to Len. Yeah. Hi, Len. Um, so what, you started playing bass in The Pleasure Seekers and then um, and then moved on to Cradle, and that's when you moved, um, left the country and left Michigan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorten that for you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the Pleasure Seekers were great i loved being in that band uh we went from 64 to about 69 68 69 about 18 months in cradle um it was a show band i was the main front person i played the bass most of the time sometimes i just went out and performed but just a great band you know fun fun yeah Beatles, we did Stones, we did just great learning process. I honed my skills as an entertainer. Then uh, we, we did one gig at a festival that my brother had booked, and the world had changed because we were sort of stranded in show business land, and very successfully, I might say, we worked all the time, and the world had changed, and it became hippies and festivals and bare feet and tie-dye T-shirts and jamming, and we were a show band. So we did our set, and oh my God, where was the applause? Just, uh, just bombed, like they went into it. You know, and and one of my sisters, Patty Shore, says we didn't bomb, but we did. Anyway, we had the discussion. We should change tact. You know, we're really out of. We are out of the out of the industry right now. We are a show band. We shouldn't be. And we decided to, to reform the band and recall a cradle. And Patty said, I'd take a step back. i take a step back, bring a little sister who is more that generation, great singer, and we would just start writing our own songs and become serious and political, and it lost me. So what I did was I just kind of stood back and got really good on my bass guitar. So by the time the two record companies had seen us, Electra Records and Mickey Most, both of them within one week, both of them offering me only a solo contract. Hello. Ooh, you can't yeah. And you can't make it happen. Speaks volumes, though. Well, it's it's a big message from the universe. Yeah. Within one week, both people saw the band said, no, I want you. And okay. how old were you at the time? I was uh, 21. Oh, yeah. So then I had the offer to go to uh, New York and with Electra and become the new Janis Joplin. And then Mickey said, I'll take you to England and I'll make you in the first Susie Quattro. So 
Yeah. Yes, Easy choice. A huge yeah. step. So wait, before you get to that, I read something interesting I wanted to ask you about. I read that when you're in the Pleasure Seekers, you guys toured with Chuck Berry and your dad punched him. Did that really happen? How did that go down? Yes, it happened. <laughs> Unbelievable. My dad had four daughters and one son, so he was a bit over-Italian. Uh, he came to the show in Buffalo. We were supporting Chuck Berry, um, and that was right at the race riots. So we had left the city because my dad was worried for our safety. He wouldn't have normally come on the gig, but he said, we're all going to Buffalo. That's where we were. And um, he... Uh, he went in there and we, we did our set and Chuck Berry played and then he came off the stage and he walked into the dressing room and we were in the outer dressing room where ours was and he was going to the inner. One of the girls, blonde with big, you know, big, big assets. And um, <laughs> and he looked at her and he he sort of threw her on the couch, but not like anything was gonna happen. He was being, cra- he was being a little bit nuts, but not not well, He's dangerous. a nutty guy. Yeah, but it was kind of like more of a fun thing. He wasn't yeah. out of as such. He went, oh, and threw it. my dad happened to walk in right at that point. Oh, no. Boom, and down he went. <laughs> oh, my God. You just punched Chuck Berry. <laughs> Did would Chuck understanding of it? or was the, the anecdote is I went to see him in the 90s. Him, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Little Richard. What and a gig. And we, I went backstage to say hello. And I... <laughs> took the chance and I said, hi, do you remember the all girl band in 1967 that's supported you? And he went, yes. <laughs> okay. Fine. Fine. I bet you we, I, didn't, I didn't pursue that line. <laughs> he obviously never forgot that. Yes. I went, okay. <laughs> so, so a big time producer picks you out not your, the rest of your sisters, and asked you to move to London. What was the reaction of the family? Like, what did, I mean, what did your dad think? I mean, your dad was a musician, too. Were they like, you got to take this, or were they like, you should stay? I think my dad was always family-orientated, always, uh, which is why he made that tape and sent it, because he wanted yeah. to see what I left behind. But I had made my mind up and I told him I was going to take him, put him in the room. My mom, my dad, me, I have the two offers, you know. So I said, I'm going to London. Wow. And mom is crying. Naturally, her daughter's leaving the country. And uh, my dad said to me, you do know, this is amazing, you do know that your sisters won't make it without you. Whoa! Wow! Yeah, that's, that had that's deep. That's that had a bit to hit of a hard. Burden, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is emotional blackmail, and it is. Yes, and I carried that with me until I got into my forties and fifties. You know, it definitely comes across in the doc. Like your your one sister def- seems still bitter about it. Yeah, they both are. Um, one, the younger one didn't really care about making it, but the older one who went on to join Fanny, she yeah. will carry that. She will carry that to her grave. And there's not a lot I can do about it because I didn't stop her doing anything. She had her whole life in front yeah. of her. She could have anything she wanted. All I did was take my chance. I followed my path, you know. So it, it's a shame, but uh, it is what it is, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing's going to change. But in the end, it was the best move forward. I mean, because you had what blew my mind about your career is how it was easier for you to find success in Europe than the States. Like, you know, in Europe, you just had all these a a series of huge hits. I 
wouldn't say it was easier. Well, not easier. Um, okay, maybe the music was accepted or more. Re- they were more receptive towards it. I don't know. All I know is I had the two choices. I could have stayed in America. Electro Records would have, because I had the talent. I had the X Factor. Obviously, I wouldn't have made it. Um, I could have stayed there and gone that route, but I didn't. I came to America, and when I did come back to, uh, I, I went to England. When I did come back to America, they weren't quite ready yet they were it was eagles and linda ronstead that's all i heard on the radio so as it says in the documentary i was probably a little bit early i finally did make it there i had to go through via happy days but um <laughs> i made the right move at the right time i i knew where to go i knew where i would be accepted for it was first there so america was still stuck in their little um i don't know what they were stuck in they didn't yeah. Were they just not ready for like, you know, I mean, you had this punk rock attitude. You're wearing like leather jumpsuits. Like you were rock and roll. Like female Elvis. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do you think they weren't ready at that point? I, I don't know what the answer to that is. They just weren't. And all I know is that when I finally did Happy Days in 77, four, five, six, four years after my worldwide millions and millions of records sold, they finally got it because I played a character who was a leather-clad bass player. And then they finally got... It's crazy. So they came to me late. You came to me late, but you got there in the end. So you discovered Susie Quartz with a leather Tuscadero. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) Leather Tuscadero, I got to say... I mean, I'm old enough to remember that as a kid, and uh, I was at that point where I was like, wow, she's hot. Because, I mean, you, you were, like, wearing full-on leather outfits. I mean, yeah. you know, and it was it was such an amazing an amazing gig. How did that happen? Like, did Henry, like, did, were you friends with Gary Marshall? Did they reach out to you? Why did they come find you in England and say, like, we want you to be on the show? I'll do a long story short. Um they they knew that Pinky Tuscadero was going to fall out. Fall out. Uh, they had contractual problems. They liked the Tuscadero thing, so they wrote a younger character, which was me. Um, and then they couldn't find the person to play it. I heard from the casting lady that they had it for about six months. The script. They were looking for somebody tough, somebody vulnerable, somebody who could sing, somebody who could act, and somebody who was cute. Hi. Yeah, all those things. <laughs> so they called me. What happened was the lady, when uh, the, uh, Gary Marshall's uh, sister, Ronnie Halen, who was in charge of casting, and she went into her daughter's bedroom. She told me this. And her daughter had a collage of Rolling Stone covers on the wall. And she saw my cover. And she said to her daughter, Who's that? That's who we're looking for. She said, that's Susie Quattro. So they called me on tour in Japan. I flew from Tokyo to L.A. on my own money, auditioned for the part, and it ended up as three years. Oh, it was a three-year thing. And did they, did they want a spinoff, like a Leather Tuscadero spinoff? They did, but I figured, how confusing. You know, first of all, to be discovered through Leather Tuscadero, then all yeah. of a sudden they I was really that person, but Susie Quattro. So I didn't want to overkill the character. I played it enough. I played it for three seasons. That's enough to cement that I can act and cement the part. And then it would then it would have started maybe interfering with actually Susie Quattro. And I am first and foremost Susie Quattro. Another Tuscadero was a character. I am a real person. I am a real musician. I am a real rocker. So I didn't want to get caught in that. You didn't want to jump a shark. And I didn't. Exactly. I didn't. 
<laughs> yeah, I did lots of other acting things. Everything was fine. I was able to do West End and lots of other series, and I, I made the right decision at the right time. So, Susie, are you still as much of a fan of leather these days? Like, you still wearing that jumpsuit? Yes. And how yeah, did that? Yeah. How did you develop? Because that was your idea, right? That signature look. Where did where did it come from? It was. You know, me being a huge Elvis fan since the age of five and a half. And then I saw the comeback special. I wanted to be leather. I was in the bands for like four years. It came time to make my image here in England. The record was cut, you know, and Mickey and I talked. And I said I wanted to wear leather. He was against it, in actual fact. And wow, I said, no, no, like no, no, I want leather. He was against it, against it. And then he thought, okay, I'm not going to get my way on this. He said, okay, you can wear leather. I said, yes. And then he went, jumpsuit. I said, good idea. <laughs> I swear to God, I could be so dumb. I, so I thought it was logical that I could jump around and everything would stay in one place. And it was only when I got the pictures back that I went, oh. <laughs> well, it definitely blew minds, though, and influenced like a wave of uh, next generation of female rockers. I, I had no idea it was going to be sexy. I just did not know. <laughs> Anyway, it's, it's kind of sweet in a way. I can be quite naive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely influenced a lot of bands that came after you, like uh, the Runaways, Joan Jett and the Go-Go's. So how do you feel about being such a big inspiration to these bands? Well, when I saw my, to get us back to the beginning, and when I saw my first doc, my, my documentary for the first time with an audience in London, at Premier, and I was in tears. I snuck in. I was supposed to come up at the end and do the question and answer, but I wanted to see it with an audience, so I kind of hid on the side once it started. A couple people saw me, and I went, shh, 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 shh. And I was, like, crying the whole time. It, it affected me big time. And because I didn't realize. Nothing I've ever done has been manufactured. I just was being me. Yeah. I didn't realize until I saw this. And I called my friend Cherie Curry, the lead singer of The Runaways, the next day. And I said, I have to tell you something. She said, what? I said, well, I watched my first premiere last night with an audience. She went, yeah. And I said, I, I just realized something. She said, what? I said, well, that by me doing what I did, I gave women all over the world permission to be different. And there was a big silence. And she went, and you just got that? <laughs> Yeah, including me when I first like was getting into buns, you were I mean, one yeah. of my inspirations. So yeah. you still continue to do it. Isn't this fascinating and refreshing that I didn't get that? But it would have made what I did unimportant. The fact that I didn't get it means I'm just doing it. Yeah, it's well, natural to you. That's one thing I always admired about you is you weren't, you know, coming out to be like a female musician. You're a rocker. You're a musician. I don't I don't do gender. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. it's not about gender, which I mean it's cool. I think I think what's happening now with like Me Too and you know, people taking back and and all that, but it's like it wasn't about that with you. It, it was more like I'm just putting out some rock and roll. I'm just doing what I do, you know. You know, you can question me at your own peril. <laughs> I always admired that. Well yeah. Susie, um you know, I'm excited to check out uh, check out your new your new album, The Devil and Me. Came out uh, this year. Amazing, amazing! It's charted everywhere. Amazing reviews. Everybody's saying it's my best work to date, and it is. Oh, that's awesome! It will be. And you're still and you're still touring. Like I was reading that you were doing 85 to 90 shows before lockdown. Why shouldn't I? That. 
you playing your show tonight? Are you? Where are you playing at? Oh, we're not playing tonight, no. Oh, sorry, I thought you said you were playing. But uh, you know, I read that you are playing Royal Albert Hall, uh, April. Twentieth, Yeah, I can't wait. And I have to say it this way: it's a good way to end it. The Queen of Rock and Roll is playing the Royal Albert Hall, and I will turn the Royal Wave into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I gotta say, you're a legend. We both find you very inspiring. Thanks for being on the show. And I hope to see you. I'm going to try to make it out to that show in, uh, in London. I'm going. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, awesome. Thank, well, thank you, Susie. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. 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 You know, for a woman in her 70s, I mean, she's way more active than I am. I just put... I, I feel shame when I hear like she's what a, she's done. She's a pistol. <laughs> she's a firecracker. I love her energy. I yeah, I love. The, I love too. You could tell that she's done like I don't know a hundred thousand interviews. She's like, all right, next, next, next. Let's get this. Let's go. Yeah, Let's I go. Love I it. got places to be. I got a new <laughs> yeah. record coming out, an upcoming tour, a new book that I'm working on. Nonstop. Good God. for her. You could tell. She live. She doesn't abuse drugs. <laughs> She might have d- dabbled, maybe done something a couple times, but to have that kind of drive, you don't smoke weed. You do not, and you can't be drinking <laughs> all the time either. Yeah, she doesn't abuse drugs and alcohol, but God, what an amazing legend. It's I uh, love her. Yeah. I love her. Can't I love believe- her even I- more now I've talked to her. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those people I never even thought I'd ever have a chance to interview. So that was pretty cool. And that Same. Chuck Berry story is awesome. Uh, you know, people, yeah. go check out the documentary, though, Susie Q. It's, it's, it's very well done. I was actually I pretty it. impressed. And not to mention, I never really, I guess I never really thought much about the relationship and the strain of the relationship Susie's career had with her sisters. I just never, I guess I, I don't know, just never really contemplated that. But yeah, I mean, the sisters, I don't, like, I don't know what they expected her to do. Like Some of them have been drinking, drinking the bitters. Yeah, very bitter. Very bitter. But great bitters. documentary. And uh, it's pretty amazing to talk to her. Um, people, this is episode uh, 804 here of Sick and Wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next. Got some good calls this week. Um, people can call Sick and Wrong Hotline 323-522-4032. Uh, before we get to our phone calls, though, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. Do you care about a guy coming on your stomach? Or can a guy come anywhere in your body you don't care? Honestly, I just want to see the cum. You can come anywhere on me, I just want to see the cum. Like, what about in your ear? (laughs) Spark. (laughs) That's what they call it, a spark. They call it a spark? A spark. A Spock. Spock if you if you right. got Spock, that means you no, had come in your ear. Don't don't come in my ear. Don't come in my eye. Don't come up my nostril. Don't be <laughs> dick about it. Like just like, come where I can see it, so I can be like, all right, I'm not pregnant. It's fine, and then I can fall asleep in good glory. You don't do know re- most guys think it's like a game of skee ball. For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. So we got a few uh, phone calls to get to here. 323-522-4032. Still got a couple calls dribbling in. From people who uh, want to wish us uh, congratulations here for 800 episodes. So, this is a guy who appreciates sick and wrong. 
Hey, Dean Case. This is a little bill. Um, I haven't been keeping up too much with the show recently. I've been in a, in a bit of a down patch myself, uh, but I saw you was posting about the 800 episode, episode um, and I wanted to say congratulations. Over the past 15 years, Sick and Wrong has helped me a lot deal with a bunch of dumb shit. Um, <laughs> I love that. It's helped me deal with dumb shit, this show. <laughs> well, if that's one reason to keep doing it, you know. It's a good distraction for if you are going through shit times in your life. I always find, like, you know, whenever you are, like, a bit down in the dumps, you need, like, people talking about shitting their pants to distract you and make you feel better for, like, five minutes. It works. I think that is one, like, cathartic thing about our show. It's, like, it could be worse. All right? Your problems suck, <laughs> but it could be worse. could be worse. <laughs> it could be this podcast. Help has always helped me, you know, feel like I'm not the worst. <laughs> hey! uh, there you well there you go okay <laughs> I guess it's, it's all relative all right <laughs> we should have it as the tagline now it could be worse <laughs> you could be hosting a podcast for 15 years <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, uh give me a space to speak about some weird shit and have weird people talk about weird shit at me uh, i am so thankful that the wait a second are we the weird people Talking weird shit to him. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I'd rather rather be weird. What is it when the weird get going? The weird turn podcasting pros. But is that from the the craft? Remember the yes. tagline of the craft? Like uh, something weird. Yes, Hunter S. Thompson, when he starred in the craft, said that. I'm he quoting was, him exactly. He had wonderful breasts in that movie. <laughs> keeps going on and that's why all you fucks who are listening right now need to be on the patreon uh support this shit uh, another 15 years let's go uh, <laughs> i agree with the first part yes go to the patreon support this shit another 15 years wait you know uh, how old I, i'll be <laughs> so much. you know how old i'll be in 15 years you won't even be that old you'll almost be as old as i am now uh, yeah i'll be 51 in 15 years yeah, I'm going to be kind of old. <laughs> You'll be in your 70s. I would be in my 70s. What would I be, like 61? Well, you'd be 60? Yeah, 61, you'd... yeah. Yeah, no. Too I old to be doing your... a podcast. I want to put week. you in your 70s. On that's murder and spiritually, spiritually, you're already in your 70s. <laughs> but just wanted to say thanks. And I'm looking forward to see what happens in the future. Hopefully, I get to go to the uh, one of the live meetups. Uh, keep it safe, keep it wrong. Ah, thanks, man. I do appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, you know, that is the that is the goal. We do want to take the show on the road, you know? At least, you know, I was thinking, because we have stats. You know, I, I pay to have it hosted by Blueberry, and they give you stats. So I know, like, how many downloads we get in some cities and what cities in the, in the States versus the UK. So it would be cool to go to, like, the cities where we have the most downloads and maybe do, like, a live meetup or a live show at a comedy club or some shit like that, which would be fun. But yeah. it costs money oh. <laughs> and, and time. So especially now with one host, it, it's a transatlantic podcast. Transatlantic draw, it is. Yeah. But it would be, that is the ultimate goal, you know? I mean, uh, eventually, like, once we probably make a little more money on Patreon, it would be cool to, like, and after COVID, it would be cool to uh, I really want to go to Australia. Oh my god! I that... love Australians. I want to party down under and do a show down under. 
I've um, always Australians wanted to go rock, there. Man. We've had yeah. the Aussie fans since the beginning of the show. We still have Aussie listeners, and Aussie fans have invited us out many times, and I think we would have a fucking blast. I've never met an Australian that I have not liked yet. They're like brothers in arms. Fucking keep on rocking, guys. Love it. <laughs> um, I think you like this guy, and he's not Australian, though. But I think you do admire this guy, and you admire his skills. Oh. Is it John Wick? Ah, D and Kate. Hey. Here, just caught up in the latest <laughs> podcast. Um, surprised you paid my call, actually. Um, pleasantly surprised. Um, obviously, there's questions there. Um, first question, was that the reason for our divorce? Well, in the East have a workshop. I think this was the question of if Epic Farter, if his flatulence contributed to the divorce. I think that was a question. To do most of my farting in there. And it was normally when she'd gone to bed, so I wouldn't really fart in front of her, and I'd probably go to the loo or out the back. God. He would just He's- hold it. And just go to He's the fart shop. <laughs> fart is fart shop. <laughs> Smell like farts down there. Something, but it's not something I do around her. She's a, she was a primary school teacher, and he was a bit prim and proper sometimes. So you never Dutch ovened her. Bullshit. I don't believe that for a second. I do feel a bit bad that he was like, "Oh, I couldn't even fart in front of my wife." I mean, obviously, there's manners. You should. I'm not saying you should be farting in front of your wife as often as Epic Fart. I needs to fart, but at the same time, if you can't just like, do, if you can't do children there for a laugh like every once in a while, like if that marriage is dead in the water. <laughs> Kate Rambo's keys to saving a marriage. Dutch oven, Dutch once oven in a while. every now and then to keep the spark alive. Yeah, yeah I didn't do that. Um... Not that like I didn't let the kids pull my finger and I'd squeeze one out if it was appropriate or to make them laugh. Um, but yeah, and with regards to farting during sex, um, when I lost my virginity, the girl that I was with, um, when I came and let out a tremendous fart and we were both rolling around for ages. Um, wait, wait, wait. She let it out or he let it out? I thought he meant her as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be amazing. I've always thought that the uh, the queef is like the clown nose of sex. Like you know, it's like a little. It's it's kind of funny. It do, it doesn't it smell like me. a fart, and it's just well, funny it's just when air. it happens. Yeah, but it sounds. It has the farting noise, and it's kind of like a little bit of brevity in a serious moment. I I, I live for those queefs. Slap and tickle. Slap and tickle. <laughs> it was sort of quite surreal moment. Um, I don't think she enjoyed that bit that much, but it did make us laugh. But it was like a proper ripper. Um, <laughs> I like how you can recount it. It wasn't an SBD, it was a proper ripper. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit strange. Um, with regards to queefs and VAR, um, when I was at school, um, we were. Uh, I was in the sick bay at school, so we, we you probably got them over there, I'm sure, but there was just like, basically like a sick room where you went in where if you t- told the teacher you were poorly. And I'm laid in there, and there's a girl in there, a real big girl, huge unit. Um, and <laughs> Wait, 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 I'm confused by that. Huge unit? Like big rack? She's just, no, she's just a sod buster. Oh, she's just, okay. She's a huge unit. <laughs> I thought it was like a, a part of her anatomy. I squeezed out a little fart and... I 
forgot she was in there, and I said, oh, I'm really sorry. And she was like, oh, that's all right. And next minute, I could hear this, like, like sucking in noise, and then this massive, <laughs> huge fart. And I just looked at her, like, amazed. Like, what the fuck? Where, where, where did that come from? And she was like, oh, I can fanny fart. Of course, that was it then. It was, like, lunchtime the next day. Like, can we meet you, like, behind the mobile? So me and all my mates, like, went round there, and she did this, like, demonstration of what she can do. I mean, she was a beast, and she used to just be able to, like, <laughs> suck it in and blow it out. It was horrendous, but, yeah, I suppose that's, um, <laughs> that would have been a queef. Um, I suppose if she'd have been sat down, it would have been a vart. Um, you know what's really funny? Um, this reminds me of, uh, got my ex. I'm trying to figure which one. It might have been... I forget. Anyways, one of my exes, she she had a graduation party from college, and uh, we it was kind of at a, this bar that her friends, friend of a friend, owned. So we just kind of had like the whole back area of this bar. Anyway, she had a friend that she hung out with. I don't want to mention her name, but she's really really hot. Like a she's like kind of a marina chick in San Francisco, super hot. She could do that. She could queef on command by like yeah. sucking in her her stomach. It would just like. And so I remember we were all like doing some blow in the bathroom and they're like, do it, do it. And, uh, she was like, all right. And she just kind of like rolled over onto her back with like her legs kind of like up by her shoulders. I was shoulders. about to say, does she have to be in a certain position? Yeah, she's in a certain because position. And it was I like. I can do it in a certain position. I think 90% of women can. Pretty much every time. It's just about having strong pelvic floor muscle. I'm thinking we might need to do a Patreon video. And maybe the ten or twenty dollar level. K Rambo's Queef Concerto. Just, all you're doing is <laughs> Queef Concerto. Doing your kegels. But you can just in your do pelvic it. Floor muscle. I've got to be in a certain position, but yeah, I can do it. Like how that girl had to be in a certain position. Mine isn't as uh, disgusting as what she's doing. Well, um, this girl, um, we'll call her Joan. Joan could Joan I mean, would Joan would let out rippers. I mean, they were just like a loud, just ripping queefs. I was stunned because I'd never seen a girl be able to do it on command. She's got Usually. a tight, tight pussy, man. She and can she do could that. like suck in air, like the way she moved, and would just like rip it out. I was surprised, but she wasn't a beast. So I imagine, do you think a big woman like this with blubber shutters could have more like? You know, uh, I think I guess it more is, melody to it or more like... Um, I think the bubble, blubber shutters are just reverb, propelling it. Like more Yeah, reverb. they're adding like a natural reverb to it. But again, I would like to state, state to Epic Farter that a vart is a fart, whereas a queef is just air coming in and out your pussy. Hmm. But a so, vart does contain methane. What's the uh, temperature <laughs> right now on the uh, Kate Rambo queef Cherto, like... Yes, like 100% or no, maybe 30%. What, that she's queefing? No, no, that you're going to do a special for the Patreon. <laughs> well, I still have to do the dreidel video. I'm still, uh, God still got damn that it. in the backlog. There's but the backlog. dreidel video ties into it because I'm basically queefing out dreidels. So it's it's the same kind of video. I still think we get a lot of people at the $20 level for that one. I'd even sign up. <laughs> to your own the thought of a bar, because farts are particular... And the thought of poop being run through that part of a woman's body that like, I'd quite happily stick my tongue into doesn't really float my boat. Um, doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> well, I think it depends on if you lick asshole or not. If you lick an asshole, then like 
it's the same. It's with freaking farts. <laughs> well, I also want to know, like, what did you eat my life? Taco Bell 40 minutes before this, you know, interaction well, or? No one's doing that. Either. Yeah, I mean, well, if, she, sure if it was just hummus folks. and carrots, I'm cool. But if it was like, you know, a few bean burritos and Mexi Melt, Mexican pizza in there, I'm probably going to be a bit nervous and I can understand where Epic Fire is coming from. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> I must admit, I'm... <laughs> It does. Uh, it does make me chuckle when a woman starts to queef when you pound in there a bit, and you start to. <laughs> and uh, you know, the sound uh, I can't remember the last time it happened, but it did make me laugh. But anyway, hopefully that answers a few questions. Um, oh wait, he calls back with a part two. Nice. Nah, Dean K, Epic Farper here. Obviously, did my three minute there. Um, yeah, so, yeah, if anybody's got any other questions, feel free to ask. Um, I'm not a horrible person by any means. Um, I'm quite a nice person, really. I just have a bit of a problem with flatulence. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's me. That's my life. Um, I have a question. I want to know the origin of this. I know you mentioned, like, the virginity is, you know, that, that was an incident, obviously, that was impressionable. But what about in your earlier days? Was it your mother who farted? Was it your father who farted? Did you Is have a sister who held you down? a long line of farters? Yeah. Or, like, sometimes I've heard that, like, you know, sisters or, or brothers are really mean and would fart on each other's heads. Like, I remember uh, my buddy... Eddie Murphy. Uh, I had a friend um, in uh, high school who, uh, what do they call it? Greased. And they would be, he would grease his little brother, they call it. And then he would basically just like, you know, he was a big fat kid. And his brother was maybe a couple of years younger. He was probably about Jared's age. Big Jared was, was friends with uh, this kid too. And I was friends with the older brother. But he'd be like, oh, I'm going to go grease Ronnie. I'm making up names. And so anyway, what he would do is he, this kid would maybe take a shower two, twice a week. And he would sit on his brother's face bare-assed and slide off his head and there was a grease brown mark on his forehead. So when did he get pink eye and that game had to stop? I'm sure he probably did. I don't know. But I used to be I used to be just disgusted. So I'm wondering though but, that, but that's what I'm saying. That's like the connection or the nexus between like fecal philia and, you know fecal <laughs> matter and farts and whatever sometimes it forms when you're young like you hear your dad ripping and you're like oh my god i'm impressed by that i'm gonna be a ripper too i just wonder wendy when did you realize epic farter it's like an origin story that you, you had, the power. had the power to rip them and have you ever had a girlfriend that was impressed by the ripping ability and that's why she stayed with you i will be I will be aghast if a girlfriend was a, impressed. Wait, aghast? Yeah, that's why I chose that word. Well done. Things are going quite well. Uh, the house, marital home's being sold by the end of this month, so I'm going to be minted. Um, minted. I did get sunburned the fuck this weekend like a true Brit, and I posted a picture on, uh, on oh, Discord, so a few people laughing at my mood. What was it? He got the worst, like, lobster sunburn I've ever... It looked painful, his Ooh. sunburn. It was, Ooh. like, all over his moobs. Oh, God, yeah. Never go out during the day. Yeah, don't do it. Um, the funny thing is, my belly looks like a freaking apple because it's, like, red on the top and, like, normal underneath. So I look like a sort of half-ripe apple. But, hey, it's my body. I don't care. Somebody likes it. 
But you take care of yourself. Thank you very much for your uh, never-ending entertainment. Um, and I must admit, Kate, your voice gives me the horn. Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll get to meet up at one of these when all COVID's gone and we can have a little beer session somewhere in the middle of the country. Hopefully we'll get to meet up and you'll get to find out that I'm actually quite a nice person. But, uh, yeah, take care of yourself, guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Ah, thank you, Epic Farter. You know it would be great? I'm envisioning this meet-up and, like, Kay Rambo's queefing, you're farting, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's you're communicating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, like a one-upmanship kind of thing. We have a language all of our own. <laughs> <laughs> We've evolved past you, regular folk. <laughs> and then finally, it's just like, it's like a bonding ritual, yeah. You know, yeah. um... You know, this give me, also give me another idea here. You know how Hunter S. Thompson had the rum diaries? Oh, is this going to be the Queef diaries? No, the fart diaries. Like, I think Epic Farter should have the fart diaries and just, like, maybe start a podcast just telling his best fart experiences. You know what's better, and we'll probably actually make him more money, and it, they're always easy to sell, is if he wrote a children's book about farting. Oh, yeah. Walter the Farting Dog. Um, you can money. sell sell those books, writing a children's book and like splurging it out there. It's so easy to do, and you can make tons of money. What so if you wrote it like about queefing? Well, I mean, it is a natural act, and you should probably learn how to do your pelvic floors while you're young, because if you've got a strong pelvic floor muscle, like you can um you're gonna give birth easier. It's gonna make your period pains easier, and it also means you're gonna have a diamond level pussy when you start fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you. I could see that. Yeah, a great book for ten-year-olds. Yeah, I could see that. Mummy, what's fucking? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for there, Epic Farter. Always good to hear from you. Sounds like you're doing well. Um, he's a good egg. He's a good eggs, egg. Eggs make you fart. I like th this next guy is a good egg, and I'm sure he can make a ripper from time to time. Adam from Tokyo. Hey. D. Simon, Kate Rambo. It's uh, Adam from Tokyo. I wish I had a better name than that, but um, just hey, call and say hi. Drunk as usual. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking about Northern slags because D loves to talk about Northern slags. One of my favorite subjects. And I, I have to be honest that living in Japan, there's been some northern slags who've come through. I mean, some oh. of them are English teachers. Oh. They can barely speak English, really, but they come through <laughs> and teach over here. And I, I used to get together with this one girl, and, um, yeah, northern slag. My friends used to mock me. If they ever saw me with her, they'd just mock me brutally. Probably because of her teeth. Yeah, think? I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And her queefing ability. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she actually had a really nice pussy. Like her, her pussy was good. Wait, wait, wait. Do you think all northern slags have diamond level pussies? Yeah, I will say from Manchester upwards. Uh, think of all the Geordie girls who go out in the middle of winter wearing just the lowest cut dresses and they don't need a jacket. There's a reason for that because they've got the power of the pussy. Diamond level, huh? Diamond level in the north. So what about like south of London? What level is that? We will have to judge by area, but I'm just going through cross holes and off because do you know what? In some places like Scarborough and like shithole towns in Leeds, 
not Leeds, sorry, Yorkshire, with faces like that, you have to be blessed elsewhere, don't you? <laughs> I guess that makes sense. It balances out. It's like, you know, Willem Dafoe, face like that, massive, huge cock. It balances out. Yeah. God, I got the short end of both sticks. <laughs> but she gave the worst head of all time. Oh, no. And that, That's that was not like true. all teeth. So, basically, what I want to steal. Now, that's scary. Maybe she thought it was a portion of chips. (laughs) (laughs) A fish finger. What do you call it? Fish sticks? Fish finger. You got it right Fish fingers. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she was like, oh, this is a Cornish pasty. (laughs) (laughs) I miss home. (laughs) Little bit of serene. (laughs) Um. Serene comes yeah. out the other hole, do <laughs> A British snaggletooth blowjob. I, I don't know. I'd be scared of that. I would. <laughs> so it's one of, it's one of the a reasons snaggletooth. I... snaggletooth. It's, it's definitely like a, a concern of mine when I go dogging up north. Is this why the rabbi <laughs> left the knob? Probably. I think it is. Yeah, because yeah. of all those snaggletooth blowjobs. The conversation towards is the worst head you ever received. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Bye. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rabbi often warned me. He's just like, never go dogging north of Leeds. Believe me. It's snuggle tubes yeah, as far like, as the eye can see. All right. David. You know, okay. And I've always taken that to heart. So dogging south of Leeds. The worst head is always just when, you, I suppose it's different for girls because every girl is well it's, it's the same for boys because every cock is different and everybody likes it different but it's just when you don't come i think the worst head is a mouthful of braces have <laughs> you read that braces i've actually never had i've pretty much throughout my entire slagging and shagging career only had older men so if i'm with yes. a man in his 30s who has braces on and lives at home with his parents like that's a no <laughs> that's where i draw the line you can live at home with your parents mate but you gotta take the braces off well do they even have orthodontia in uh, the uk yes we do we have evolved past the, uh, the but old that's not covered on the nhs age. though right you gotta have it paid is for actually. that shut up i'm stunned but it is- it is done by like um, Steve Martin type of dentist, <laughs> so it pays to go private in the U in the UK. I could just think of the medieval torture devices they're shoving in your mouth. And hey, I still have technically a brace in my mouth, so you take that back. Retainer, I've never had any right? complaints. Do you have a retainer? Yeah, but it's have... like a it's a fixed retainer, oh, like a so fixed they classify thing. it as a brace because I can't take it in and out of my mouth. So yeah. it's there for there for life, baby. When I die and I, if I get murdered and left in like the forest, it's going to be an identifier because somebody will pick my skull up and then they'll be able to take me to the dentist and like, boo, yeah, they're going to identify me and then my killer will get caught. I know I've mentioned this before, but when I was in uh, high school, we all kind of, I mean, there weren't that many, even Bay City weren't that many orthodontists. A lot of people went to our doctor, Dr. Massion. He looked just like Ned Flanders. Uh, oh, terrible breath. But uh, oh. all of the nurses, blonde, big ass titties, all of them. They're like, all the same. And it was just like all of us when we'd be like, dude, going to Massillon's. It's <laughs> yeah. like getting the teeth clean, titties in the face. And they're all like, I don't know, 24, all the hygienists. It was amazing. He was banging all of them. He was totally being inappropriate with I all of them. I just think he was just an old perv, you know? 
Yeah. How, could you even get by? Like, if you get sued, that'd be like a Me Too accident waiting to happen, you know? Me Too Nowadays situation. Nowadays it would be. Yeah. But back then it was like a little yeah, pat like on the 19... ass. A little slap on the ass is 91. like, you know, you're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Massillon. <laughs> All right. I did an hard job. Um, thank you, Adam from Tokyo. It's good to hear from you, man. I hope you're doing yeah, he's well. a great guy. Yeah, I gotta I make it back out there. Um, we went around this one area of uh, of uh, Tokyo where they make all this like artificial food. You talked about this because I love fake food. I would have yeah. spent money. He gave us a tour of like all the artificial food stores. It was really weird and it's super expensive. I want, I want Adam to bring back and teach us some uh, Japanese swear words. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, I used to know a few when I was there. Anyway, people call Sigur on hotline three two three five two two four zero three two. Um if you've listened to this show for fifteen years, eight hundred episodes, and you wanna show us a little love, go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today. Basically the way it works now is you get two shows. You get the main show that is free, and then if you want another show, we pretty much have like an extra hour or so worth of content. At the $5 level, you get uh, news, you get uh, phone calls, you get outtakes. And then for a few bucks more, you get our sick and wrong news segment. Um, this week, uh, because I'm going to be in Michigan, Kate's going to be doing it with another special guest um, on, the, on the news. Mystery guest. Mystery guest. Uh, the Overkill, it's, uh, at, the, uh, at that level two, is a whole other episode, sick and wrong minisode. And it's all part of the Manson Month. Um, Kate will be covering Alvin Francis Carpus. Carpus, yeah. So yeah, it's unfortunate. Tune in to, f- <laughs> to find out how he's related to Manson. <laughs> but yeah, it's Manson month. It Manson was the, uh, month. Yeah, it's the anniversary of the murders. So we're getting down and getting with it. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. We do appreciate you helping the show. Also, we have a merch at the sick and wrong tea public store. Just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop and uh, click on the picture of the Pope. Um, because we interviewed Susie Quattro. I think it's only right that we uh, end the show with a Susie Quattro song for Song of the Week here. Um, this is uh, the uh, one of her singles, a wild one from her uh, first album, right? Remember, it was her second album. A 1974 record, Quattro. Uh, I think it's her second one, actually. Um, yeah. Great record, though. And uh, great song. She had some bangers. She has that. loads of bangers. Yeah, loads it was of bangers, hard, yeah. Hard to pick. My favorite one, my favorite Susie song is actually too slow to uh, play at the end of this but just buy every album everyone listen to them. i love 48 crash it's a great song 48 crash yeah. yeah i like if i can't show you love ah and she's got uh she does some jack lee covers and i love jack lee jack lee is one of my all-time favorite musicians i'm serious though i'm gonna i might actually try to uh check her out in uh, at the royal albert hall in london next year i'm going yeah that's gonna be i mean just because I don't know how much longer she'll be touring. She's someone I've never got to see live. Doesn't tour the states very often, so I would like we to check it out. We could do a meetup. Ooh, that'd a be kind of fun. Meetup. Yeah, we'll do a Susie Quattro London meetup. Could work for yeah. everyone involved. Anyway, um, check it out. We're gonna end the show here. The Wild One from uh, Susie's album Quattro. Thank you, Susie, for being on the show. It was great talking to you, people. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with episode eight hundred five. Till then, take it sleazy. All my life I wanted to be somebody and here I
the uh, the leather still looks the same. What's uh, happened since? Doesn't. <laughs> new leather. All new. Where from? It's cost sixty-two quid. Where from? From this gyp shop <laughs> bottom it. Well, what uh, what else has changed apart from the leather since you were here last? Um, I've got a different shade of lipstick on. Huh?